in today's show. I'm here to talk about all of the action from Monday's games and update on some COVID stuff as well. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're going to talk news in a second, but... Uh, I tweeted this out today. Many of you would have seen it, but I'm going to talk about it now because, yeah, I go and I shit on ESPN's fantasy platform a lot and the mistakes they make. I call out how horrific Sleeper's system is. I talk to you about... Well, actually, I probably don't, but Fantrax, the fact that they don't have an app, it's pretty bad. But there's something that annoyed me today on Yahoo that needs to fix. And I know that I am... I work at Yahoo Sports Australia. I do their fantasy stuff. doesn't mean they listen to what I say. But the fact that they their waiver rules are completely kids coverage, they are fucked. They are terrible. Today, you know, I've got my lineup. I obviously do a lot of work. Yes, my work uh, exists around fantasy basketball, but that doesn't mean that I am meticulously pouring over every single roster at every single moment. I'm not because I'm doing live shows. I'm recording what to watch for's and waiver shows and buy low shows and doing projections. That's what I'm doing. My time is not spent dedicated to my teams 24-7. Right, so yeah, I set my lineup yesterday. Jay Sean Tate was ready to play. And then, of course, in the hours this morning, he entered the COVID protocols. I went to look at one of my lineups today after the game had started, and I saw that Jay Sean Tate was there, and there was someone on the waiver wire that was an interesting ad. I think it was uh, Jaden McDaniels, actually, or Omer Yetseven. I wanted to add those guys. And they were there. I went, holy shit, why are they on the waiver wire? So I went to drop Tate to add McDaniels. Oh, sorry, you can't do that because the, uh, the player's game is, uh, is underway. So, what's the problem? A, Tate isn't playing. And B, the day's flicked over to the next day already. Every other site gets this right with the waivers. ESPN, Fantrax, they get it right. Is that once the lineup is locked for the day, it's the, it's the next day in terms of ads. I can drop someone. I can drop Tate. He stays in my lineup for Monday, but then I can add someone else for the next day. And then the people were responding to it. Oh, yeah, but if you have him on your bench, you can actually drop them from your bench. You can't drop them from the active line. It is a ridiculous system. I shouldn't need to move injured players, especially when I've got you know, five injured guys. Do so I need to make everyone go onto my bench if I decide to drop someone later on? And the flip side of that is if there was someone from Houston that I wanted to add today, I couldn't add them until after some arbitrary cutoff time. The whole system is screwed. Once again, the game start, it's the next day. So any ad I make transitions to the next day. The, their whole waiver system is completely screwed. And you know, add into the fact that when you add someone on a waiver, it resets all of your um, starting lineups for the rest of the week is another ludicrous thing. Yahoo, I know you've got my number. I've got plenty of ways to fix this shit. This is wrong. You should not have this issue where if a player is... He's, he's not even playing, right? If his team is playing, I can't drop him. 
I've never heard of such bullshit in my life. And then I can't add someone from a game that's currently going on. Why? It's a terrible system. I know that it's going to get plenty of you heated in the comments. Oh, that's how it has to or whatever you need to say. But the fact that I'm telling you, I've played on plenty of other sites and the system is actually fine on those other sites. ESPN gets this one 100% correct that I can just drop someone. A game has started. I can start setting my moves up for the next day. I can start adding someone who's having a good game if I want. If someone gets hurt in the middle of the game, oh, there's an announcement. Hey, by the way, um, let's say it was Jay Sean Tate. He's actually torn his ACL and he's out for the season. I can't drop him until the end of the day, until midnight Pacific time. I can't drop him. Not absolute foolishness. In fact, fucking ludicrous. All right, let's talk news. Um, changes in the NBA's protocols for COVID. Not a 10-day isolation anymore, six days. Now, that's going to be not for everybody, but that is like the, the minimum sort of time frame. And it's going to depend on you know, testing and, and negative results and viral loads and all that sort of stuff. But it's, it's great for us in a fantasy perspective that we're not getting guys ruled out for 10 days. So the guys who are out can come back earlier. Guys who go out in the future won't have to be out as long. We already saw some of that today, I think, with Trey Young coming back earlier, to, uh, which is obviously great if you have Trey Young. Um, so that, that is the change there. And I think that we'll start to get to a situation in the NBA where asymptomatic players won't get tested and we won't have as many guys out in the protocols now and not for each long. Um, well, not, not for as long as what we are currently having. So that is a step, I think, in the right direction for settling some of these COVID issues. Now, in terms of players entering the COVID protocols today, we, we had a bunch of them. Jason Tatum, one of the big ones for the Celtics, entering the in there. Um, that's, well, that, that is the biggest one, but we had DeAndre Ayton also for the Phoenix Suns. He entered into the COVID protocols. Um, Jay Sean Tate, as I said, KJ, Matthew, KJ Martin, Garrison Matthews, uh, he's into the COVID protocols there also. Um, who else entered in? I think they're the major ones. Oh, the Thunder, sorry. Darius Baisley, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Aaron Wiggins, Alexei Pokyshevsky, all of those guys entered into the COVID protocols today. Um um, Yusuf Nurkic, well, that was yesterday, actually, that Nurkic entered in there. But they are the, the major ones who entered into the COVID protocols um, in today's action. But we did get some positive news in that Yusuf Nurkic is um, is back. Like, he is not Yusuf. Did I say Yusuf Nurkic? I didn't mean Yusuf Nurkic. I was thinking of something else. Andrew Wiggins is what I meant to say. Andrew Wiggins is back. He is going to return tomorrow. Him and Jordan Poole have both cleared COVID protocols. Poole will not play tomorrow, but Wiggins will. So that does decrease, and I know Draymond's out, but it decreases the overall value of Toscano, Anderson, and Porter. I still think Porter's a 12-team league guy, but Toscano, Anderson loses some value there. And then when Poole returns, of course, the doctor, Gary Payton, is going to lose quite a little bit of value. But some positive news, yeah, along with the fact that we had Trey Young returning to action today as well, which was uh, which was really important and uh, great that we're able to get him back out there because we want as many good players out there as we can. That brings me to tell you about Truebill because we're in a situation where we've signed up for so many different subscriptions. Whatever it is, there's so many different ones that were out there and sometimes it's hard to keep track of them. That's what Truebill does. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. And because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall 
for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Okay, let's take a look now at the most added players in the last 24 hours for fantasy leagues. We start with Jaden McDaniels up 52%. Look, um, Jared Vanderbilt Bar might be back next game. That is a possibility with the six-day time frame in place. Now he could return next game. But McDaniels is an ad, a great ad for today. Eric Bledsoe up 38%. Strong, strong ad with no George and Jackson. Um, Cody Martin, or sorry, not Cody, Caleb Barton up 31%. I don't really think that's going to be the must roster that some people seem to think. Not a bad streamer. I'd much prefer to add Omer Yetseven, who was up 28%. He's a strong 12-team ad. Claxon up 26 Yeah, look, we don't know what's going to happen when Lamarcus returns, but Claxon looking pretty good. Canard up 23 and Terrence Mann up 23 I think that's about right. To me, it's a coin toss between those two as to who has the most 12-team value. Um, DeLon Wright was up 16%. Of course, he entered COVID protocols today and Trey Young returned, so those people can go and drop him. Jalen McDaniel's up 15. He got the start with Miles Bridges out. He's worth a 12-team league stream as well. And then Carmelo Anthony, for some reason, up 14%. Yeah, people just love the name of Carmelo Anthony. He is, I guess he's fine as a streamer. Adding him a day in advance when the Lakers don't play today, probably a bit of a waste of a, uh, of a waiver move, I would suggest. In terms of the top drops or the players drop the most, Chumura Kiki down 61%. Yeah, COVID protocols, Bumba's going to return, drop him, no problem. Baisley down 27, Melton down 27, Nwora down 23, Osman down 23, Crowder down 22, and Metu down 21. Cannot argue with any of those. They are all 12-team drops. Same with Trey Lyles, Garrison Matthews down 19 and 17. Hartenstein's the only tough one. We know that there's no timetable for his return. He was dropped in 17% of leagues. I I do think that in some situations you can hold him because I think the value will be there, but I do get that we are pressed for roster spots so much of the time that um, dropping him could be the the move that you do need to make. I I don't think there's any problem with making that drop move. So now let's talk about the games, the first one of those games. The Houston Rockets, they were pretty handily defeated by the Charlotte Hornets in this one. 123-99, the final score. For Houston, as I said, they were without Tate, Matthews, and Martin in the COVID protocols, along with DJ Augustine, and then Jalen Green and Kevin Porter both rested. Well, Porter's returning from his injury, but both of those guys should be able to return tomorrow. So they they started a lineup that was the designer Armani Brooks, Eric Gordon, Josh Christopher, David Nwaba, and Christian Wood. Still won't start Shangoon. But they played 29 minutes of Trevor and Queen, for those of you that care. 17 and 6 with four threes and four steals. Actually, a pretty good game from Queen. But of course, Green and Porter returning next game are going to make him basically irrelevant. Dacian Nix had 11 points with three steals. Good numbers there. I don't buy for a second him as an NBA caliber rotation player or as a decent shooter, but he was good. And then this game was just a blowout. So we only got 26 minutes of Christian Wood. We got 24 of David Nwaba. He got two steals. That's what he does. We got the you know, now standard 21 minutes of the delicate dancer, El Shengun. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. He had five and six, not great. Three assists, good. Two blocks, good. Again, more of a luxury stash, but Silas continuing to pluck. The 21 minutes or 22 minutes of Daniel House are completely unnecessary. Don't need to see any of them. I literally need to see none of those minutes. I can see 30 minutes of Shengun, 30 minutes of Wood. If you're going to play blokes together, doesn't have to be Tice. This is what I mean. Like, I know there's development that can happen in certain areas, but with practices being impacted by COVID stuff, just get the guy on the court who's honestly a better player at the moment and way more of a part of your future. It makes no sense the way that he is being played in this small role. 
hold him because the upside is sensational, but I am worried that maybe he just never gets there this season because of this ineptitude in coaching. Joshy Christopher had six points in 21 minutes. For the Hornets, they were great. Rogier was excellent, 27 with seven triples and five assists, while big Mace Plumley, the king of the reverse dunk. Without PJ Washington, he played 29 minutes. 15 and nine, two steals, three blocks, perfect from the field, seven of seven, great. I think he is a 12-team legate with PJ out. Jalen McDaniel started, 16 points, 27 minutes. He started over Ubre. Ubre got more minutes. Both of those guys have got value while there are players out. While Cody Martin returned from protocols, had one point in 22 minutes, missed all five of his shots. You can add him in a 12-team league. I don't think there's a problem with that for now. But when Bridges of Washington are back, there's just not enough minutes for him to be a consistent producer. Obviously, that was not a good game today. Um, and he's not a high-priority player to me. Haywood had 10 in 29. Rough game from him. Bit of a buy low. While Lamello had 16, 5, and 7. With the two steals, let's look at the second game. The Chicago Bulls on the road against the Atlanta Hawks. They continue to be really good. 130 Chicago, 118 Atlanta. Nikola Vucevic. It's Vucevic. 24, 17, and 6 with four threes and four blocks. It is a monster. 65 fantasy points is also a monster. Of course... In keeping with his tradition of being a bad free throw shooter, he was two of three from the line. I don't know what's going on with his free throws this year, but another shit night there. While the skater boy, Zach Levine, was also excellent. 30 points, five triples and nine assists, and DeRozan had 35, five and 10. Interestingly, DeRozan, when I talked about him on that sell high show a few weeks ago, he was shooting like 96% from the line. And one of the things that I talked about again with him there is like, He's a good free throw shooter, like 87, 88. There's no problem, but 96 is impossible to keep up, and that is going to drain value. Well, he shot 63% here. He was at 71% last game. And that does cause you know, 20, 30 spot drops in rankings when you drop that much down. I don't expect him to stay as a 70% guy, but when those numbers are so irrationally high and on high volume and contributing so much to what you're doing, you've got to pay attention to it. Kobe White started. I, I, I'm, I don't believe in this guy at all. 13 points, three threes, two steals. Really made up for it late with a couple of shots at the end. Um, but he has no value when Ball and Caruso return. So don't get too sucked into him. While Dasumnu played 25 minutes, he does absolutely nothing from a fantasy perspective almost every single night. He is ranked outside the top 340 this year, which is hard to do given he's been an every night regular rotation player. Troy Brown did nothing. And Javante Green had two points in 29 minutes. For the Hawks, Trey Young was back. 29, nine assists. 40 minutes, shot horribly, 35%, but 12 of 12 from the line was great. 42 fantasy points, a pretty good night, but it wasn't as good as Cameron Reddish, who had 33 with eight triples. But I'm going to, this is, maybe this is anecdotal, I think it is, but Cam Reddish is a player that people love to go the rusty trombone on. They love him. Man, Cam Reddish, everyone should be doing their best to trade for him. This guy is a future, the amount of tweets I saw about Cam Reddish today, he did this, this was good. There's no denying that, that this was good. He is not this good, but people absolutely froth over this guy at a super high level, which means if you have him and he does this, you sell high. He is the 149th ranked player this season. He is top 100 at the moment, but he's doing it without Collins, Gallinari, Wright, Herder, Hunter. Will he play 40 minutes a night? Absolutely not. Will he shoot eight of 13 from three? Get out of here. There is no chance. He just isn't this good. And he's a fringe 12-team league guy once we head into these other guys returning at the end of January. But people believe so highly in this guy. I think he is a, can be a solid rotation piece. Some people think legit all-star. I don't see it with him at all. I very easily could be wrong on that. 
But I, I would be absolutely trying to parlay this level of production because you know people will not always associate, well, there's a million other guys out, therefore Reddish is playing huge minutes, taking a lot of shots, and a lot went in, and they won't necessarily associate that. So all that being said, sell him high. Try and trade him off. Bogdanovich, 20 points in 41 minutes. Good game from him. Yeah, I'd try to sell high on him as well. Again, there's so many blokes out here that have benefited him there. Well, Chaundy Brown, yes, that is a real player. He played on the Lakers, two-way guy earlier this year. Was he a two-way? Yeah, two-way guy. Um, four points in 30 minutes with nine rebounds and two steals. That's because Gallinari, Collins, um, Hunter, Johnson are all out. Only bloke that had power forward size there don't need to care about him. While Lance Stevenson had two points in four minutes. His role is obviously dropping off. Capella, 16 boards for him in 26 minutes. Still not at his best, Clinny. I think you can maybe get the Kerner as a uh, as a little bit of a buy-low at the moment, but just, just be careful how he fits on your team with his shitful free-throw percentage. BetOnline is the place that has you covered all holiday season. More props, more odds, more lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today using the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From basketball, football, the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. I've got a tip for you. Bet on the Dolphins, mate. Seven in a row. Yeah. Let's fire up, boys. All right. Let's go to the next game. The Boston Celtics and the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think Emilio Doke is a bad coach. Um, I don't know for sure. Hard to make that judgment. 35 games into a season. Like to give him a little bit more time. And I'll comment this and plenty of you will think, well, Josh, look at all the injuries. Josh, COVID has wrecked havoc on this season. And all of that is true. But that is not what I'm... I'm not basing this off win losses from the Celtics. It's by late game execution. It's weird play calling. But also, why is this bloke continually calling his own players out in media press conferences? Why is he doing that? Like, he's saying shit like, I've never seen someone do something as dumb as this in my life. He said it something... Not, not those words, obviously, about Rob Williams today. Like, that, keep that shit in-house. Say it's Rob Williams with the team, but he that's there's multiple times he has done this in public. There is something absolutely rotten with this team at the moment. I don't know whether it's him. I don't know whether it's the players. It's almost 100% a combination of both of those things. But they're bad. They couldn't beat a Timberwolves team that literally had not one starter playing. All of their starters were gone. The Wolves win 108-103. Al Horford returned 34 minutes, 16-9-6 with four threes. And before we overreact to Rob Williams playing just 22 minutes with Horford back, he did have five fouls. But I will say this. Rob Williams didn't play well, and Yudoka may have been justified in saying that he didn't play well. The minutes that Williams was getting when Horford were at, was out were encouraging. I think there's no chance that they stick. Still not, not a bad game. 11 rebounds and four blocks. But I wouldn't say that he played particularly well, Rob Williams. I thought Peyton Pritchard did play well, though. 45 minutes, 24, 8, and 6 with five threes. He shot poorly, but I don't say this very often you know, in terms of you know, this player's getting traded. I think there is no chance that Dennis Schroeder is on this team at the end of the season. I just don't think there's any chance. Like, he's here to try and get his you know, new contract. He's sort of a luxury for them, who's not actually that good. And Pritchard's stepping up and playing better than him. We're already seeing Schroeder's minutes drop, and now he's going to have to come in and take minutes back off Pritchard and off Josh Richardson. And no Marcus Smart was in this game as well. I just think there's no way that Schroeder is on this team. 
uh, when we hit yeah middle of February. I don't think Schroeder should be on any 12-team rosters pretty much either. Pritchard is a short-term ad until we see where it goes. 24, 8, and 6. Grant Williams, without Tatum, great. 28 minutes, 5 and 6, 3 threes. His insane season of shooting continues. He's got some short-term 14-team league value with Tatum out, while Romeo Langford, a great defensive stat. Start from the back end of the box score looks great. Four steals, three blocks. That's amazing from a guard. Holy shit, his defense is great. Unfortunately, he's a horrible offensive player. And you can say that Marcus Smart is a horrible offensive player. You're not quite correct. Um, but Romeo Langford makes Marcus Smart look like Steph Curry. He just he just cannot play on offense. Um, but he has to at the moment. Maybe a stream for defensive stats. Jalen Brown, did he do it again? JB, you've done it again. <laughs> I thought he was quite poor in this game. Like 26 and 10 looks good from a counting stats perspective. But 33% shooting, 62 from the line. Just horrible decision making. I, I just thought he was really poor in this game as well. Um, yeah, they're in real trouble. Their, their, their roster is not particularly strong. I have questions about their coaching. Not great. On the other side, I love the Wolves coaching. Chris Finch, I think, is great. They started Nathan Knight. Now, Knight is a bloke that played some good minutes for Atlanta last year and has shown an ability to be an NBA rotation player. 20 and 11 in 29 minutes with a steal and a block on 73% shooting. As long as Reed and Towns are out, Knight is a 12-team league option. And can you absolutely believe this? But Greg Monroe is back. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. It did get dangerous for the Celtics. 11, 9, and 6, two steals and a block for Greggy. Now, of course, that is short-term. And you can't add him. I know on CBS, I don't think you can add him on Yahoo, and you definitely can't add him on ESPN. At least you can still add Kevin Garnett on ESPN, but you can't add Greg Munro, who hasn't officially retired. Obviously, because he's here playing. Is he a 12-team league ad? He's not far off. It's not far off, but they might get Edwards, Vanderbilt, and Beverly all back next game. That is a possibility. I don't know for sure, but it is a possibility. He's at least a 14-team league flyer. Uh, Malik Beasley, just horrible shooting. 15 on 18 shots with eight rebounds and three threes. Um, played 39 minutes, but Russell Edwards, Beverly come back. He goes to the scrap heap. It's a really simple equation with him. Not much. Oh, Jaden McDonough's there. 36 minutes, 17 and five with two threes. He's a pretty good night. For old Jalen there, or yeah, young Jalen as the uh, as the case may be. Let's look at uh, the next game, which is the Utah Jazz taking on the San Antonio Spurs and getting the win on the road, 110-104, without Don Mitchell. Rudy Gobert only played 25 minutes, but he was good. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Um... Yeah, 16-13, three blocks. Six of six from the line. Had some foul troll, but it was great. And then when he goes out, Hassan Whiteside. The world. You know what? He's actually the best. The best backup center in the league at the NBA. Maybe that's false because there's someone else I'm not thinking of. But he's really bloody good at accepting his role and doing the right thing, which, again, is something that I've criticized for him for in the past of not understanding what his role is. This is his role. It's great. He's playing well. He's a good streamer. 13 and 8 for Whiteside. Ingles, solid ad with Mitchell out. 17, 3 and 3, while um, Jordy Clarkson dropped in uh, a lot. J O R D A N C L A R K S O N. 23, 8 and 5 with 32. He's another one of those players like Cam Reddish that when he has these games, the old Danish backhand gets out on Twitter and people love him. Oh man, he's like Jamal Crawford. He's the, he's the best. Yeah, but then he has a string of 10 shit house games in a row and we ignore that. So with Mitchell out, he is an ad. 
and you immediately flip him. Get any top 100 player. If you can get any top 100 player for Clarkson, you do it. Shit, even a top 120 player, I would accept back for Clarko. He is not this good consistently, but he gets that fan base or, you know, not even fan base, just people who love seeing high scoring going and they absolutely lap it up. Royce O'Neill is, what do you reckon, Jack? Get that garbage out of here! Like, Royce is adequate. 125th ranked player this year. Total adequacy. It's fine. Oh, well, my league roster is 160 players, so 125 is must roster. Yes, but no, right? Would I rather take a flyer on someone to blow up, like at the start of the year when Jared Vanderbilt was a waiver wire guy? I'll just hold on to Royce and he'll be 120th all year. Or do I get a bloke who might be 80th for a stretch of the season? And if it doesn't work, I'll get the next bloke and I'll get the next bloke. Royce O'Neill has some stretches where he puts up these top 60 numbers, but he's not a guy that is, I don't think, yeah, for come fantasy playoffs, Royce O'Neill is excellent. You're not swinging for upside there. You're just going, all right, I need a bloke to produce, even though he's not producing now, and we hold him. Otherwise, see you later. I'll find a million blokes like that off the waiver wire. Not a million, but you know, there, there, is, there are options there um, that you don't need to hold on to him all season. Just my opinion. Maximum Derek. Oh, yeah. 21 points, three threes, eight assists, three steals, and a block. Let's go. Dougie McDermott, 17 points. Not much else. And Keldon Johnson, 13 points on 13 shots with seven rebounds. Again, I think he's a bit of a sell high. He is playing pretty well, but that field goal percentage, which was sky high, did drop off here. While Pirtle had 10 and 13, another five assists. And also, I know I, I criticized Pop on this yesterday. Popovich is not immune to bad coaching decisions. Everyone is. I'm not immune to bad fantasy decisions. I make them all the time. It happens to everyone. Starting Cater Bates-Diop, starting f- three power forwards in a lineup, Made no sense. Now, it worked yesterday when they smashed whoever they kicked their ass off yesterday. And then, of course, that would make Pop go back to that lineup. It's a horrific lineup. It's not necessary. He had two points on four shots, Cater. You've got Devin Vassell. You've got Lonnie Walker. It is horrible coaching not to start one of them. Start Josh Primo. This makes no sense to start Bates-Diop. It is horrible coaching. And I know that DeJounte Murray is out. And I hope that this is the end of Bates-Diop and him starting. Vassell, 13-6. and six, Walker, 11-4-3. and three. That's good enough for me for Vassell. 29 minutes, 11, 11 and 6, or 13 and 6. It's solid enough. I believe in his upside. He should get more minutes. Hopefully, this flips the switch a little bit for him. While Jock Landau, again, plenty of people ask me, hey, is Landau a 12-team league guy? This is why he's not. 7 and 1. 17 minutes. The only, and this is why Kevin Love's performance this year is so surprising. He's putting up these top 60 numbers in 19 minutes. It's just not heard of. You don't get that on a consistent basis, let alone from a bloke playing his fifth NBA game, which Landau was doing. Always keep an eye on him. If Pirtle goes down, he will be an ad. But at the moment, he absolutely is not. So let's go on to the next one. We are looking at the Memphis Grizzlies, who got a big win on the road against the Suns. Both teams missing players through fantasy, not fantasy protocols, um, through uh, COVID protocols. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. But the Grizzlies had this one in control, and then a wild finish saw the Suns get within one point, but ending up... Um, Ending up losing, falling short by that 1.114-113. My man, Des Bain. 37 minutes, 32 points, six triples, one steal, one block, 55% shooting. It does not matter what I think. It does not matter what you think. You can tweet free Des Bain, trade Dylan Brooks. He's got to be benched. It doesn't matter what we think. It only matters what Taylor Jenkins thinks. And if you think, or I think, that when Brooks and to a lesser extent, Melton come back, that Desmond Bain is going to be out there jacking up 22 shots a night while Brooks sits back and does nothing. You are out of your mind. It is just not going to happen. This is the absolute definition of a sell high for Desmond Bain. I love him. 
He should be a key part of what they do. His minutes don't change, but he will not. He will not, with 99% accuracy, be a 30% usage player. Like, I just I don't see how it's possible. We can love him. Everyone can see it. But if Jenkins doesn't, it does not matter. Adams was great, 31, 16, and 7. I don't buy him as a 12-team league guy, but that's a great guy, a great line for sure. Um, the drum, Jaron Jackson, Triple J, had 11 points in 29 minutes on a horrific 27% shooting. Maybe a bit of a buy low for Jaron at the moment. Well, Johnny Concha, 7 and 9, 2 assists, 2 steals. He's got 12-team value while these blokes are out. He is a great stat stuffer right across the board. Love what he can do in those categories. Hey, uh, Kyle Anderson, what do you reckon? Get that garbage out of here! No need to hold him. Tyus Jones. Get that garbage out of here! Four points in 18 minutes. No need to have these guys in 12-team formats. Anderson rostered in far too many leagues. Far too many. Did I mention Jar Morant? He had 33, 4, and 4. Unfortunately, just 2 of 5 from the line, but everything else was pretty stellar. For the Suns, they were without Aiton. They were without um, Jay Crowder. They were without Frank Kaminsky, um, Abdul Nader. Um, I think that's it. Yep, they're the main guys are out. So they started Cam Johnson, 19 and 7, with four triples and two steals. Keep holding him while Crowder is out. They started JaVale McGee, who got into foul trouble. Absolutely a must-own, must-roster 12-team league guy. Six and four, 22 minutes. Like, that's not great. That might make people drop him. Foul trouble. Deeper leagues, Jalen Smith, 15 and 9 is a good game. He's not that good. And he got those extra minutes and took advantage of them. No doubt about that. But he's not going to have that level of production. I wouldn't. I could be wrong. I just don't think he. I, I don't think he's going to have that level of production. Chris Paul, horrific shooting. Don't know what was going on here. 13 points on 13 shots, but 13 assists with three steals. And Booker had 30 points with two steals, two blocks, and three threes. Some good numbers there. Alfred Payton was a late surprise inclusion after being cleared of the COVID protocols while Mikael Bridges had a stinker. 10 points on uh, five and five shooting, but nothing else. He still remains a buy low despite, um, well, despite being on the buy low show today. He stunk it up again today. So yeah, you can still get him as a buy low option. All right, so let's go on to the next game. But in the interim, as these games have been, you know, finishing up and me recording this, something interesting has happened. The Timberwolves have listed Carl Anthony Towns, Naz Reed, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards as all available to play tomorrow. I have no idea whether that was an error, whether someone hit the wrong button, but every single Wolves player who was in the COVID protocols, including Towns, who was there a couple of days ago, is available to play tomorrow. By the time you are listening to this, this may have been corrected. Shit, by the time I finish this podcast, that may have been corrected. But I am telling you, as I am recording this at... 12.30 a.m. Eastern Time in America. That was the 12.30 a.m. Uh, NBA injury report. All of those players, Vanderbilt, Beverly, Towns, Russell, Edwards, were all listed as available to play in Tuesday's game. So I wouldn't go ahead and drop Nathan Knight just yet or drop Malik Beasley just yet, but you might. This could be a fo- huge false alarm but I am just telling you what I know at this point. And now, the Dallas Mavericks smashed the Portland Trailblazers pretty comfortably in the end. Um, 132-117 was the final score uh, in this game. Let's start with the Mavericks. Percentages. Yep. Kristaps had a uh, had a big, big uh, what do you call it? Big game. That's what I'm trying to say. 
34 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. He was excellent here. And Finney Smith was pretty bloody good as well. 14, 9, and 5. I think Dorian is a 12-team league player uh, at the moment because of the absences um, with, that, uh, with, with the Dallas team. Interestingly, they were starting Sterling Brown, and they moved him to the bench, and he barely played. Josh Green came back and went bananas. 26 minutes for Josh Green. 10 assists and 2 steals. I don't think I'm reading anything into that, as prior to this, he was the 431st ranked player. But it was interesting. Brandon Knight also played well. 18 points with 5 assists. Maybe a short-term 16-team league streamer. Brunson had 14, 4, and 9. Nilakina had 8 points. And Dwight Powell even chipped in for 22. That's how weird this game was. Um, yeah, but interesting to me that Sterling Brown played only 5 minutes after playing so much in those previous games. But it's great to see a big, see a big pause in this game. Now, Finney Smith is the solid add there for 12s. And then onto the Blazers. Nasir Little. Really good stuff to see. 20 and 10. Uh, two steals, three blocks, 34 minutes. And until CJ comes back, he's got an opportunity for some good minutes. But remember also, Covington and Nurkic are out of this game. Nance had 12-5-3, and three, and he's have a 12-team value guy while these players are out. While Tony Snell continues to do the least, 6-1-1 one one in his 17 minutes. And Lillard, who was questionable before this game with a personal issue, had 26 points, 5 assists. But again, horrid shooting, 5-15 of 15 for 33%. He was also 13-14 from the line, which is great. But he continues to struggle with some of those efficiency issues. I, I maintain, I do not believe that you should be buying low on Damian Lillard. I still remain worried with his abdominal issue. Um, not much else there. Simons was pretty rough, 11 points, and it is hard to justify him as a 12-team league guy, while Alibi had seven points in his 26 minutes. Shout out to Scott Brooks, um, replacing Chauncey Billups, who before the game said, we won't play any of our 10-game guys unless someone gets into foul trouble. Um, McGriff played 13 minutes, Williams played seven, and Cumberland played six. So by my calculations, that's 26 minutes to the 10-day uh, guy. So Scotty Brooks, once again, talking shit. One of the worst. Imagine having one of the worst coaches in the NBA in Chauncey Billups, and then he goes out for COVID protocols, and you replace him with a bloke who's worse, significantly worse, in Scott Brooks. So yeah, um, things aren't going particularly well, uh, I would say, there for the old Portland Trailblazers. All right, so let's go to the last game of the day. But unfortunately, um, now those box scores that I get on the screen, it's from ESPN, and they have completely shit the bed. And there is no stats listed for the Portland and or Portland for the Brooklyn and Clippers game. So you're going to have to look at my stupid head while I talk about those numbers. Bang! There we go. Right on to the old face. Let's talk about the numbers. Jim Harden. Actually, let's talk about it first. The Nets, 124. The Clippers, 108. Jimmy Harden, 40 minutes, 39 points, 8 rebounds, 15 assists, 2 steals. This dude's just really good. And he's showing it at the moment. Well, Nicky Claxton. How about Claxo? 18 points in 30 minutes, 3 blocks, 89% shooting. Dicked me by not getting the extra 2 rebounds to go over, but that's all right. I don't know what's going to happen when Aldridge comes back. But let's grab him. Let's figure out. He is the player that makes the most sense starting at center on this team. Not Aldridge, but they were going with Aldridge before. Claxton, I think, is proving himself. Grab him. Let's figure it out later. Paddy Mills had 18 points. All of them threes. He's great now. Absolutely no worries. Sell high. Any top 70 player you get back, any top 80 player you get back is a huge win. He will not, I don't think, be able to keep up the current top 50 numbers, which he is doing. There's no way that continues for the rest of the season. Um, Blakey Griffin played 16. He had 12 and 9, which is great. The minutes is what worried me. But how about DeAndre Bembry? Bembers had uh, 12 points in 29 minutes. He had five assists, one steal, two blocks. He also somehow had two techs and a flagrant and wasn't ejected. He was ejected. Well, they thought he was ejected initially with his second tech, but then he was allowed to continue because one of those techs wasn't an unsportsmanlike tech. 
I don't know, some bullshit. But he was able to stay in and somehow get that trifecta of fouls and uh, and not be ejected, which is pretty remarkable. Um, Jimmy Johnson had 24 points. Didn't make us proud, so we don't play his song. Four points, eight rebounds there. While for the Clips, Marcus Morris was back. He was on a restriction and played 27 minutes. 24, 5, and 6 without Paul George. He's a must-roster bloke, as is Eric Bledsoe. 15, 2, and 6. No George, no Reggie Jackson. Now, when Jackson returns, Bledsoe maybe falls away. But for now, we don't care. We just add him and we go with it. Zubats had 9 and 9 in 22 minutes. Zubats isn't that good that when Hartenstein comes back, it's going to just completely eliminate him. Same with Ibaka. That's why I'm not sure early on in the show when I was talking about people dropping Isaiah. I'm just not certain about that. And then the replacements in the starting lineup. Terrence Mann, yuck. Six points in 26 minutes. The Duck, Luke Kennard, 10 points with nothing else. These are guys you added in 12-team leagues. We see where it went. But they weren't guys that projected to be top 100 players. They didn't particularly play well here. If you want to move on, uh, by all means. Like, they're not going to be consistently great top 100 players. So, yeah, do whatever you need to do with them if you need to create open roster spots. It's enough of looking at my face. Let's um, go to the lines of the night. The monstrous line of the night is Jimmy Harden. The waiver wire is Mason Plumley. Your young gun is Desi Bain. And your dud is Luke Kennard. And let's look at the top producers in nine category leagues today. Jimmy Harden was at one. Vooch at two. Porzingis at three. Gobert at four. Des Bain at five. Levine six. DeRozan eight. No, that's not how numbers work, is it? Levine six. DeRozan seven. Plumley eight. Rogier nine. And Nathan Knight at ten. Your top 10 players available in 50% of leagues. Mason Plumlee, I'd add him. Nathan Knight, well, I would say add him, but I've got no idea what's going on with the Wolves. A Reed and Towns back? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe hold off on adding him. Jalen Noel, similarly. Peyton Pritchard, good short-term ad. Nasir Little, good short-term ad. Uh, Greggy Munro, let's hit the sound again. I don't know when I'm going to get to do it next. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. Did I even make a sound? I couldn't even hear it. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. Cool. Um, Trevor and Queen, Josh Green. I don't think there's much to see there. Brandon Knight and DeAndre Bembry. And then your top 10 in points leagues, Jim Harden, Nick Vucevic, um, Porzingis, DeRozan, Little, Levine, Morant, Booker, Bain, and Gobert. That will do it for me today, guys. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Check out Locked On Bets as well, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're here on YouTube, why don't you thumb it up the middle, flick the little bell, Tell your friends, shout it from the rooftops, whatever. Leave comments below. We are done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.